0: Exodus chapter 12, and I hope that you brought uh, your Bibles and remember to pray for one another. There's folks out on vacations, and uh, there's folks out celebrating anniversaries and vacations, and so uh, uh, you pray for them and pray for traveling mercies. All right, Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 1. I'd like to read probably down to verse 13. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, "...in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it In the evening, and they shall take of the blood, strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And They shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water. But roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. and That which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night." And I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Now, Lord, help us and help me today. Uh, Lord, uh, this is an important subject, preaching on the Passover, preaching on the blood of the Lamb and how it is a type and it's a picture of your blood that was shed on Calvary. Lord, uh, the message I I wish to portray is... I want to ask the question: Is the blood been applied? Speaking of your blood, has it been applied to the individual hearts here today? Maybe those that are listening, are they born again? Have they had the blood applied to their door? Lord, if there be any lost, let them be convicted today. Let them be awakened to the need of your blood, it, it needs to be applied. For the death angel is coming. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. We see this here. This is the last plague that is going to happen here in the land of Egypt. God has brought about no less than ten plagues. And it has been judgment on the false gods that the nation of Egypt worshipped. And, and so, uh, I would like to bring your mind into alignment with the Word of God uh, that uh, He's talking about your biblical worldview. And the biblical worldview is that God is the Creator and that there is one and only true God. And when you find mankind... Worshiping other gods, that means they have made a conscious choice or their fathers or grandfathers made a conscious choice to rebel against this God, the one true God, Jehovah. And we see here in Egypt, Egypt had done just that. They did not hold to a biblical worldview. Uh, Matter of fact, it was Pharaoh that said, Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? And what he was saying was that the God you say you're serving, which is in your mind, like the God that I'm serving is in my mind. Your God's no better than my God. And Pharaoh found out differently. But even when Pharaoh found out the science or the facts that God Jehovah I Am began to execute judgment against his gods and God found those gods to be deficient because there is no other God. Pharaoh still wouldn't change his mind. And the more God began to work with him and tried to get him to repent and to obey, the harder his heart got. Till now, God says, I'm going to bring one last plague. And you'll see throughout the Bible, God deals with people at three levels. Number one, when you get sideways with God, He'll begin to bother you in the mind. He'll begin to trouble you and you'll have troubled thoughts and you'll uh, be given to anxieties and depressions. And then if you keep hardening your heart against God, then He'll go to the level of breaking things in your life like He broke things here in the land of Egypt and the bottom fell out. And then if you still will not listen, God begins killing things. You do not want to get to the level with God where you keep ignoring God and you keep shaking your fist at God and God begins to kill things that are precious to you. And I can't think of anything in this life that is as precious as a child. That's why it is a great sin that I see in the world today, in this country today, that the sanctity of life, life is not precious no more. And they're snuffing the life out in the womb, just like Pharaoh did. Remember? Pharaoh told him, he said, no, you get rid of those. Abort those babies. Kill those babies. Destroy those babies. Ladies, you, can, you need to have your rights and it's your body, your choice. Yeah, I got news for you. There's something else coming down behind that. And it's every bit demonic because God says life is precious and God gives it. But here we have a whole nation totally opposed. Their worldview is not biblical. And so God tells Moses, You warned, children of Israel. This plague was going to come across the whole land of Egypt. It was going to affect the Israelites as well as the Egyptians. And death is a reality for all because all have sinned. And with this biblical worldview, that means that there is life after death and that you're going to live somewhere forever after you die. And it's important that you do what God tells you to do in this life. We'll also can see in this passage that God is a God of order. Did you catch that? God is a God of clear commandments. I'm so amazed uh, at the, the 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 time we live in. Uh, people want to think God doesn't really care. They think, well, he doesn't matter how we worship it. Doesn't matter what we do when we come into the house of God. I got news for you. If it mattered here, what kind of a lamb, when you took it, when, how long you kept it up, when you killed it, what you done with the blood and how you eat it it still matters God hasn't changed his mind on that he said oh preacher I didn't like that I didn't expect that well it's important and this is why today we know nothing about what God expects We think God's Santa Claus. He sits up on a throne and he's got dressed in a red suit and he's jolly all the time. I got news for you. That is a God you've made in your own image. Someone once said, how you can tell if you've got God made in your own image is if that God never disagrees with you. I spent some time thinking about that. God disagrees with me quite a bit. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I've not made God in my image. He's all the time on me. He's all the time saying, no, you don't want to do it like that. That's, uh, uh, that's entitlement. Or you don't want to say that. Or you don't want to do that or think that. That's wrong. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but if your God never disagrees with anything you do, you're an idol worshiper. You've got a Santa Claus for a God. And it's sin. But then, I've seen this nation of Israel been in bondage about 430 years according to Scripture. And God here is making good on a promise that He had given to Abraham that His children and His descendants would inherit the land of Canaan. Which the devil, he disagrees with. The devil doesn't like that. And so he sent a bunch of people down into the land of Canaan. We still got problems in there over the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. God's going to sort all that out in a little while. And so we see that the death angel is going to pass over everybody's house. Jews, Egyptians. I'm reminded of that verse of Scripture says it's appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. And then I see that the commandment of God is to make a choice. That goes with today's. Message And today's preaching is you've got a choice. This morning, you get to make a choice. Uh, we were talking a little bit about free will in the Sunday school class. Brother John's doing a tremendous job uh, teaching. It's been a great, a great help uh, to me as the pastor. Because now I've got just more voice now. Uh, because I've not had to spend 45 minutes preaching and teaching in Sunday school hour. Now I'm, I'm even fresher, which might not work out so well for you, but it's working out great for me. <laughs> and that is the job of a pastor is to work himself out of a job. I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. And you say, what, what do you mean by that? I just mean that, that you begin to uh, lessen the burden of responsibility. And as the Bible says, the pastor, I'm given to prayer and the Word of God. That's my main job. So it's been a blessing. Been a blessing. But God says, make a choice. I didn't know if you caught it, and I I wanted to remind myself because it's not in the message here. And I almost preached this title, verse 2 This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, a new beginning. Some of y'all have experienced the new beginning. And I'm talking about when you got saved. It was a new beginning. It was a new start. You say, well, yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, that's right. Pharaoh's just not going to let you go uh, without any problems. We're going to see that when we get into the next chapters. Pharaoh's going to let him go, but then he's going to think about that. And he's going to get mad. He's going to come back up out of Egypt, the type of the world to come after you. And many young Christians experience that in their life, that when they get saved later in life, that they experience a, a lot of trouble and, and turmoil because of the devil, he's against that thing. But here we could say, or could have preached, how to have a new beginning. It's important. It's important that you one obey the commandment of God. If Israel would have not obeyed what God had said, then God would have took all of their firstborn too. They were not exempt. You and I today are not exempt from the wrath of God. And I'm talking about uh, being punished for our sins. If we refuse what God has done, if we refuse the way that God has made, if we refuse to do it the way God is said to do it, then we too will be visited by the death angel upon death. So I see three things. One, It's important that we choose a lamb. He said you need to choose a lamb. And you need to choose a lamb that is without spot or without blemish. I actually think he used the word without blemish. I probably added the word spot, but I've seen it before. But without blemish means the same thing. That means that thing couldn't have a gimped leg. It it couldn't be running around and have the scurvy. You know, it couldn't have been born with, uh, with some deformity. It had to be perfect. It had to be without a blemish. Because death was coming. There's life after death. There's punishment for sin. And we're talking about Adam's transgression. We're created by God, and God is commanding us to choose life or death. We have a free will. You get to choose that. You can side with Jesus, and you can get you the lamb, or you can side with Egypt, the world, uh, and party it up and say, hey, I'll just take my chance. He says, choose your lamb, and it must be without blemish. He also said it must be a male lamb. He didn't say, wasn't a transgender lamb. It wasn't a female lamb. You say, oh, you're being mean. No, I'm just being biblical this morning. He said a male lamb, a female lamb would not do. Jesus was a male. It was going to fit the type of Christ. If you would have brought a female lamb, it was not going to work. Also, I think this is my thinking. You can think what you want. This is this is my, in my thinking. Many of the false gods they were worshiping were female deities, and I got news for you: female deity is not going to get you into the presence of God. It's going to the lamb you choose. And some people choose the wrong lamb. And if you choose the wrong lamb, the death angel will be in on you. Buddhism is the wrong lamb. Confucius is the wrong, wrong lamb. Roman Catholicism is the wrong lamb. It's works, it's the wrong lamb. Islam is the wrong lamb. They don't even believe Jesus is God. You say, oh, preacher, I'm telling you, God is that precise and we're not getting it. God does not have trouble communicating. And He says to obey is better than sacrifice. It's not just all about the sacrifice. It's about the Lamb. And it had to be male. And people they choose the wrong lamb in life sometimes they choose themselves humanism chooses itself it's a philosophy that starts with man and goes out from man where to start with god and work down so it's important on what lamb you choose this bible says that there is another lamb that is offered. We've kind of been on that. There's another Jesus that this world preaches, and it's the Jesus that always agrees with anything you want to do. It's the Jesus that says you can do whatever you want even after you've said your little magic spell. That's the wrong lamb. God's very specific. But then He says, after you've chosen that lamb in verse 3, He gets here, verse 8 and verse 10. Now, there is something I do want to throw in here. If you back up to verse 3, He just speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. Did you catch that? We're living in an age That is trying to destroy the man's role, the man's responsibility, God-given responsibility in the home. It was the man's job, the father's job. He's the spiritual leader in the home. That means he takes the first step in obedience to God. You're supposed to work like a team of mules, uh, you and your wife. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. It doesn't mean one's stronger than the other. It just means the lead horse takes that first step. And then the other is to follow. And it was the man. Why do you think the devil's been destroying homes these last 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80 years? Why do you think now that it is so bad that they're even openly confessing that they hate the nuclear family? They hate uh, the patriarchy. They hate... What God is said to do, that is open rebellion. And the Bible is clear that rebellion is the sin of rich craft. You're picking the wrong lamb and it's going to end up with a death angel coming to your house. It's important that fathers are in, involved in this process and that they're the heads of their homes and they're looking out for the spiritual welfare of their homes. Now I've got a message coming for our homecoming. I spent more time meditating on that message this week than I had this message, and it's on, "Why is there no more homecomings?" That's what I'll be preaching on on our homecoming morning, having to do with our families and the shape that our families are in, and why are not people? Why do they not get right? Because there's fathers missing in the home. Fathers will not take the responsibility that God has put on them to make sure they choose the lamb and the right one. I threw that in there free. But not only do you need to choose the lamb, and I believe folks get that far. They acknowledge that Jesus is the lamb of God. But then he says, You're going to have to consume the lamb. Verse 8. Now, after you slay the lamb, and then you apply the blood to the doorpost and the headpost, which is the lintel, and he said that blood was going to be a token. The blood's a token. It was a sign of obedience that you were doing what God had specifically instructed. And the proof of it, our God is a God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There'll be substance and there'll be evidence and that blood on that doorpost was the evidence of your faith on what God had said. But then you got to consume the lamb. This is a personal responsibility that each person is going to have to receive the lamb. And that lines up with scriptures. It's one thing to say you believe. Uh, It's another thing to get all uh, pious and religious. This Bible is clear, but as many as received him, uh, you're going to have to receive him. And that speaks of consuming. What did Jesus say? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. That was figurative. That was spiritual. But he was making a point about something. And we don't ever get it because we never read Exodus about what God was doing. There's a lot of people that run around. They have chosen a lamb. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But that's all they've ever done. They've never consumed the lamb. The lamb. The blood. He said, you put. Uh Uh-oh. That's action. You're going to put it. You're going to purposely begin to draw some lines in your life. And you're going to put that blood, it's a deliberate action of obedience. It is a willing action of obedience. And it is a conscious action of obedience. I'm, I'm, I'm really strong on this. There's a lot of times we rush people too quickly and we pick green fruit. And we think we got a convert, but they did not have a conscious Or a consciousness about what they were truly doing. God's not tricky. God doesn't sell the gospel. And God does not manipulate people into saying yes. The devil is the manipulator. And manipulation is one of the tools that demons use to try to deceive people. God doesn't use that. God is not manipulating these people. He's simply telling them what is going to happen and how they can avoid it happening to them. And the choice is theirs, but they're going to have to make a conscious choice based on faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And they're going to have to move by faith and believing that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. He's not bluffing. He ain't just making it up. It's not just up for negotiations. God doesn't count. So I lost you. Well, some parents, they use the counting system. You know, one, two. And so what you're doing is you're setting them up for failure. Because one day God's going to come to them and they're going to expect God to do what you've been doing, counting. I got plenty of time. God's only at one. You might hear two, you might not. As you can see, I was raised they know nothing about the counting system. So I don't even know if my dad knows anything about the counting system. <laughs> if dad had to say it twice, it was for sure you were going to the woodshed. Just the way it was. And that's how God is. God says it once, He's not trying to intimidate you. He's not trying to manipulate you. He's not trying to find leverage on you. He's not negotiating with you. If you do this, he'll do that. He's telling you what you must do. It's a conscious decision. It's a willing action of obedience. And it's a deliberate action. God has given express instructions on what to do. And God is about order. I don't like this new age fundamentalism that does, that's trying to take order out of the house of God. It is real clear that he said the pastor is to put things in order. God's about order. God's about structure. That's a hierarchy. said, so, hey, it's the man. It's the head of the house. He wasn't coming to mama. She got enough problems to deal with she got all those kids and meal plannings and house cleanings and, and all that stuff, trying to keep the husband right. At least that's what Jen's got to do, full-time job. She asked me this morning, what, what do you want to wear today? I don't know. I don't ever think about that. I just go in the, into the bedroom, the clothes just magically appear on the bed. I thought that was the Holy Spirit doing that. I didn't say all that, but... I did tell her, I never think about that, they're there. The last time she left me to myself, I marched in here and my suit jacket did not match the pants. And I knew no different until somebody started laughing. I'm not full on colorblind, but I do have colors or problems with certain colors when they're real close, like navy blue and black. I'd have had the navy blue jacket on this morning with black pants. I don't know if that works or not, but I would have. I just thought they magically appeared. But Mama, that was her job. But the man is responsible to get the children up and get the family up on Sunday morning and say, We got to go worship God. I remember in my childhood, uh, there were seven of us kids and a mom and a dad. There was one bathroom. And so it worked with military precision. Mom and Dad were up first getting cleaned up. When Dad was first, he got out of the shower. He went in and started making breakfast for all of us. Many times it was scrambled eggs and toast, and there was bacon or sausage in the scrambled eggs. It was all in there. He had it cut up. We all got our portion. Mom was coming out, and Mom began to work on the little ones. Then the oldest got in there. You got clean. You're not laying in bed. You better never had Dad have to holler at you twice. Because there was going to be a come to Jesus meeting on a Sunday morning. We're going to get right before we ever got in the house of God. Because the head of the household said, look, you're going to church. I don't care if it's your day off. Get out of bed. And away we went. We marched down there. I got first in the shower, then I had chores. I did my chores, come in, grab my portion of breakfast, breakfast praying my little prayer was that my brothers and sisters didn't eat all theirs so on the way out i could eat theirs and then the next one and the next one and we were never late to church we lived one hour away from church we were faithful and we were always early it can be done but dad's going to have to help i know i've heard some of your all's theology Now, God's about structure. It's what got me on all that. But God is about being specific. Have you noticed? He gets real specific on how how this lamb is to be prepared. But he got specific that you're not eating this lamb anywhere. He says the house that you put the blood on, that's the house you eat the lamb inside of. Because that's where the protection is. Take the lamb. And he says inside the house, put the blood on the door. And then you begin to roast that lamb inside that house with the blood that had been applied on the door. That's specific. If you was to have disobeyed that, it would have cost you your life. He says, roast the lamb with fire. He says in verse 8, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. That's pretty specific. Let's read the next verse and I'll make that next point. Eat not of it raw. God don't want you to eat raw meat. Okay. That doesn't fit the type. He said, nor sodden. That means he did not want you to marinate it. He says in water, which speaks of boiling. But you know me, I'm a foodie. He didn't want you to inject it. Now, I'm not talking about what we do. I'm talking about the Passover lamb. I'm talking about this lamb. He didn't want you to inject it with, you know, garlic butter, all that good stuff, marinate it you know, and, and marinade. you know, lime. It's a lamb, so I'd probably use lime, a little lemon, salt, pepper, a little garlic, begin to marinate that. I, I, I don't, I, I've never fixed one, but that's where I'd start. He says, you're not doing that. You're not going to boil that. You say, well, what's that? what's that mean? God does not want us watering down the gospel. God does not want us watering down the lamb. We're to serve the lamb up, roasted in fire. You say, what is that? That means if you reject the lamb, you're headed to hell. Oh, preacher Yeah, I'm not for this crowd that believes in sneaking up on people with the gospel. That's called boil in the lamb. You're going to put them in the pot and slowly raise the temperature up. God says, you don't do that with the lamb. Over there in Galatians, he said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from the gospel. He said, but it's not another gospel. That's right. There's only one gospel. But he said, there's some that trouble you. They bewitched you. There's that manipulation again which is demonic he said they either going to add something to it boiling it or take something from it yeah like the bitter herbs i don't like that seasoning i don't kind of like that flavoring you know i kind of like more of that cajun spice on there
1: that's not how you yeah,
0: yeah i like cajun spice We don't do that with the gospel. We don't mix Egypt with the gospel. There's a lot of that that goes on today. And God is against that when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to the Lamb of Christ. You are to serve it roasted in fire. And with bitter herbs. And then he says. His head with his legs. And with the pertinence thereof. What's that mean, preacher? He says, you don't just eat the parts you like. Don't debone that lamb. Don't take that lamb and start cutting off the parts you don't like. You roast the head with the feet and with the tail and with the hooves. You keep it all together because it's a type of Christ and not a bone of him was broken. See, we want to take the parts we like out of the gospel? Would you, here, here's what we do. do. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Who don't? Well, yeah, I would. Well, you need to repeat this prayer after me so you can go to heaven with me. That's called manipulation, folks. That's not what the Holy Spirit says. That's not what he does. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Fire, righteousness, and judgment. Hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? Well, I don't have one. Would you like to know about one? Would you like to have one? Do you know where you're going when you die? Well, I don't know. Well, the Bible says if you don't know and you've never accepted Christ, you're going to a devil's hell. Oh, preacher, I bet you don't have many converts. Yeah, but the ones I do have stick around, don't they? And I'm not bragging. I'm telling you when you begin to manipulate people and sell and turn the gospel into a salesman pitch, it's damning souls to hell. That's called easy believism. It's to be presented roasted in fire. He said, you eat all the lamb. Say, what's that mean? Oh, that means you're just not paying up fire insurance. That means there's a new life in Christ now. You understand. That's why I was I put the point in there. It's a conscious decision. And it's a, it's a willful decision. And it's one of obedience that there's a new creature now in Christ. You're going to consume all the lamb, even the parts of Jesus you don't think you like. Like getting your butt out of bed and coming to church and serving God and worshiping God. You know, I don't like that. Well, tough. It's what he says to do. We got people running around. They're totally okay with just eating the part of the lamb they like. And they cut the head off because they don't want Jesus the Lord in their life. So they cut the head off. He's not going to be Lord. He's not telling me what to do. They keep the feet off. They cut the feet off because I don't want my feet shod with the preparation of gospel. I just want to skip the death angel. I got news for you. You're lost as a day is long. You've not received Christ. You've not consumed him. All of him. I mean, this Bible's clear. These, these Israelites walked away from this at different people. And he said, You're gonna do this forever. This is the new beginning. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're going to find there's a mixed multitude comes up out of there. Not all the Egyptians disregarded the preaching of Moses. They say, you know what? We've seen what he's done. We're getting us a lamb. And they got in on that too. You're going to eat all the lamb or none of the lamb. It's the whole counsel of God is to be presented, not just the saving part. There's a serving parts. And the serving parts just as important as the saving part. People want the country club Jesus. Ah, you know, I didn't pay my dues up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm a member down there. That preacher, sure he's so he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't die with that. You've not consumed anything. You've been manipulated into making a confession that you really didn't mean. And believing in something that you really didn't want to believe. But you went through the motions just to get somebody off your back. I see one more thing here. It was up in verse 4. You need to communicate the lamb. Did you catch that? If your house is too small for the whole lamb, then you were to communicate the head of the household, daddy, was to go approach the neighbor and say, hey, how many's in your household? Now, the research I did on this, and I'm getting this from the rabbis, the least you could have for a lamb was 10 people. If you had less than 10 people in your house, you had to get another household. The most you could feed with one lamb in this setting was 20. I bet you there was a lot of people getting with their neighbor. Hey, they were beginning to communicate about the lamb. Did you hear what the preacher said? W- w- would you like to come with us? And we'll go in halves and we'll get us a lamb. and We'll put the blood on our door. And you come in and eat supper with us and sup with us. And we're, we're going to eat it, he said, with their clothes on, their shoes on. <laughs> I'm amazed that people run around today, say they've been saved, want to run around naked. I don't see that here. I see the opposite. They want to run around. They want to look like Egypt. Egypt's land. I don't see it. You say, oh, preacher. I'm just telling you, is the blood there? Is the blood there? Have you applied the blood of Christ? Have you consumed the lamb, all of it, or just the part you like? How would I know? <laughs> well, if you're never convicted about sin in your life, you've made a Jesus in your own image. And you're going to hell. So I don't like that, preacher. Well, I'm serving it roasted with fire, is what I'm doing. Just like the Bible said. Because the death angel's coming. And you better have not only chose the lamb. You're going to have to slay the lamb. <laughs> and He's already been sacrificed for you. But now you need to kneel down where the blood flows. And Jesus is going to be Lord in your life. And then you're going to walk away a new creature. Because the blood's there. And there's going to be new activity in your life a new way of thinking in your life, and then all of a sudden you're going to be, what can I do for Jesus? I I never think about what I can do for Jesus. Then I would check up to to make sure that the blood's there because I got news for you. When when you get born again, you consume the whole lamb. The Holy Spirit of God's down in there. And you can't help but let it out to begin to communicate the Lamb with others. Hey, you heard about Jesus. Old things are passed away. Old things have become new. Why? Because of the Lamb. The covenant. The Bible says the new covenant. A covenant has... The responsibilities of both parties. Do you know what your responsibilities are as a believer? It's not just all about putting the blood on the door. It's about now going in that door. Jesus says, I am the door. And now you're going to consume the lamb and begin to learn more about Jesus and about God. And then you're going to begin to communicate it. And it's a new life. Has that happened in your life? Are you still like Pharaoh? Ah, <laughs> I don't know about that. Hmm. I'll be careful about that. Is the blood there? Have you applied it? Is Jesus in your life? Are you dwelling in Christ? Are you consuming the lamb? Do you want to know more and more about Jesus? Would I know more of his faithful love? Mm. Or you just say, I kind of like Egypt. That's your choice to make. If I was you, I'd get to choosing a lamb and make sure it's Jesus. Let's all stand this morning.